Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with uh, your sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most. He is the most high. He is in charge. He's at the captain's chair at the helm behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters in this storm that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Today is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023, and you are listening to episode 654, Matthew. We'll be doing a reading out of Matthew chapter 12. And today's show title is They Want Us Controlled. Daily Disclaimer. Please be advised that I'm not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer. I don't possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. And while I am a member of the Michigan General Jural Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National State of County Assembly. Furthermore, I do not endorse or advocate for violence, and please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes, unless otherwise referenced. There y'all go. If you want to email the show, you can email the show at jmj, or excuse me, at hisheartline at gmail.com. That's hisheartline at gmail.com. You can find our social media outlets that we are subscribed to, that we have a channel on. You can go to hisheartline.com and find all those channels right there. And if you want to learn more about your general general assembly, go to www.national-assembly.net and uh, go to the forums page. You'll find out all about exactly what you need to do over there. So I hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. Hope everybody's having an excellent week. I got two more days before I get my day off. Woohoo! Yours truly will be working through Christmas. Yeehaw. So I hope everybody's got big plans. I'm sure you guys do. That'll be great. So I got a few audio pieces we're going to get into before we get into the reading, and then we'll get into the second half of the show. They want us controlled. Kind of getting into the topic of, uh, you know, the meaning of life and exactly what they try to do to take that meaning away from us. So uh, 
first audio that I want to play because I do believe that these are kind of worth worth listening to. Um, I got three of them that I'm going to do. I got three of them that I'm going to play. A couple of them are serious, and one of them is kind of more for laughs, but it is also a very serious uh, topic that we, you know, encounter in real life. Uh, so let's get to, let me get to my screen. It would help if I'm at the actual screen that I need to be on. All right. First audio, cut number one. By age 30, 95% of all men and women over the age of 30 will never sprint again for the rest of their life. Whoa. We don't like to lift heavy weight. We don't like to expose ourselves to cold, expose ourselves to heat. We don't like to be hungry. We like to be comfortable, right? That's why we eat at the first pang of hunger. And aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. The more aggressively we seek comfort, the faster we age. I find that very interesting. The, the, the more that we try to seek comfort in our life, the more aggressive the aging process uh, ends up taking place. And this makes sense. This would make a lot of sense because, you know, like I've always said, I find it very odd that we've always been taught and we've been brainwashed and we've had it hammered into our heads that, you know, you need to have three meals a day. Um, and then in some cases there, there are some people out there in the fitness world, right? They say, oh no, you need to have sm five smaller meals a day. You know, we're always constantly keeping our body in a state of comfort, keeping ourselves regulated with temperature. Well, Jason, I kind of like being cool in the hot summer months, or I like being warm when it's, you know, 30 below zero outside. No, I get all that, but there's a reason why th doing things like um, what do they call it? A polar plunge is so uh, beneficial to the body. Now, I don't know the specific science behind it, so I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to explain. But I do know that when you plunge into like extremely cold water, there's uh, there there's a certain chemical that gets released naturally in the body that really helps. Um, boost your immunity and there's other things that occur forgive me i don't have the exact science and the exact verbiage off the top of my head but doing things like uh, you know uh plunging is very very beneficial to your health um not always eating and stuffing your pie hole 24 7 that's why you know, I think they, they, they hide the benefits in public, you know, from, from like textbooks and, uh, different teachings. They, they try to hide the benefits of what fasting really, truly does for the body. And like I was saying in yesterday's, uh, toward the end of yesterday's podcast, uh, in January, I will be doing a 72 to 84 or 86 hour fast. And, uh, like I said, I'll be taking a 30 day sabbatical, if you will, from the podcast, I'll be taking a break. I will be journaling. I'll be reading, you know, digging more into my Bible. I'll be journal journaling and, um, I will be just fully solely focusing on myself while I'm on this special job assignment. It's going to be a good way for me to, uh, reset myself for the new year. I need to, like I said, not just lose weight, but I just need to overall, um, it's going to be like my own personal, uh, individual retreat, right? My own individual men's retreat that typically men would do with a church, except I'm just doing it, doing it by myself. And so, but yeah, they hide all these things and all this knowledge and wisdom from us on what actually helps us keep 
healthy. Now, here's another perspective that I thought was very interesting. I'm going to try to bleep out the bad words because toward the end, there's a there, fair warning. There is a couple F-bombs that this kid drops. I say kid, but young man that he drops. Um, I'm going to try to bleep them out. But if you have kids in the room, uh, this is about a minute and like 10 seconds long. Cut number two. Do you know why people don't think it's easy to make a million dollars? Because they go to school. And school is the worst thing you can send your children to. I said that. The whole school is cool, keep kids in school, that is propaganda. And here's why. Do you know who founded and funded the General Board of Education? Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller. Do you know what he said? He wanted everybody to be employees. Yep. He said, I am not in the business of making a nation of thinkers. I'm in the business of making a nation of workers. Everything you learn in school, every single solitary thing about how to think, you learn because school has taught you to think that that way. They taught you to think like an employee. They taught you to think like a poor person because if everyone was rich, the economy would fall apart. Therefore, we can't have too many rich people. So what do we do? We put kids into indoctrination camps to show them how to be an employee. And then they go out in the world and they think like an employee. So they stay an employee. They don't become entrepreneurs. They don't become rich. Why do you think they ask you, raise your hand to go to the bathroom? What kind of sick shit is that? I got a piss. I got to raise my fucking hand to go to the bathroom. Like really think about that. That's fucked up. I tried my best to bleep some of those out. He kind of talked a little fast, but he's right. He's absolutely right. John D. Rockefeller said that he is in the business of raising a nation of workers, not thinkers. And this is why I was saying that um, in a previous podcast, I can't remember how far back, but I did release a YouTube video on this. This is why homeschooling is one of the biggest threats to the global elitist because, you know, you you are not being taught their system that they want you to comply with. They 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 have no control over the homeschooler. Right. They have no control over the parent who is homeschooling. So therefore, the system that they have constructed, they know you're not following it. And if more and more people become homeschooled, you're going to have a growing, a larger, a larger growing population of critical thinkers who are going to be the next, you know, generation of leaders and entrepreneurs and problem solvers and um dare i say people who are going to dig into the real history of our nation and that once these people who are critical thinkers and are deep digging researchers they're going to start understanding that oh my god these people that we once followed for so long that have you know that are ahead of the fbi head of the board of education the head of our pharmaceutical companies all these people have been trying to basically waste us away and keep that boot of oppression on our throats. And so for them, the global elitist that is, the jig is going to be up when you have a larger growing population of critical thinkers. The jig is going to be up. Speaking of being an employee, I, here's here's your comedic uh, skit here for you. I think this is just absolutely great. And I agree with it 100% because... Um, I've always asked this question, you know, when, with regards to a two week notice, when you put in a two week notice at work, you don't get a two week notice when they let you go. So why the hell would I give a two week notice to fire you? You see, there is that brainwashing manipulative, uh, conditioning again, because they always want to have the upper hand. And this is how they tried to keep us under their control mechanisms. But 
if you know better and you understand who you are and what the meaning of your your life actually holds and what it really is, all this stuff ends up becoming something that you just don't give two craps about. Listen to this. Hey, Mike. What do you want, Steve? Uh, well, we just have been hearing rumors that you are leaving the company. Why would I leave the company? We work 72 hours a week with no like air conditioning, uh, low wages. The atmosphere reeks of sadness and depression. Why would I? Why would I ever leave? This is like Disneyland for adults. Mike, we are we are willing to offer you uh, something we have never done before. Listening. All right. So during the next pizza party, you can get as many toppings as you want. <laughs> I just want to let y'all know I found a new job, so I will not be working here anymore. Uh, sorry, I seem a little little shaky. This is like the happiest I've ever been sitting in this office. But yeah, um, I won't be working here anymore. So you're not going to give us a two-week notice? Like, for real? Would you give me a two-week notice if you were firing me? Like, would you do that? Would you be like, hey, Mike, uh, you better find a job in two weeks because we're going to let you go. You wouldn't do that, would you? Well, whatever. Your choice. But uh, when corporate gets wind of this, they are not going to be happy. They're going to come down here and give me a spanking? Well, <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do? Come down here and give me a spanking? Oh, that was that was classic. I love it. Uh, but it's true. You know, you we're always told, we're always told you got to be doing the right thing and put in that two week notice. No, that's bull crap. That is absolute bull crap. Look, the place where I work at, th this is this. Oh man, I tell you what, don't get me started on this. And I'm going to try to keep it brief, but you know, when we sign up for our extra days, uh, because you know how our schedules are situated, we're scheduled for four 12 hour days, just kind of like, you know, nurses typically, you know, nurses are, you know, scheduled typically for like four 12s or, you know, some, something of that nature. Right. And, uh, or three, you know, 18 hour days, or I don't know how it all works, but anyway, but you know, when we, when we schedule, we have to schedule, you know, two weeks out, um, we have to sign up for the days if we want to work extra to make a little bit of extra money, of course. Um, and then we write our names in a binder on the schedule and yada, yada, yada. Well, here's what's interesting. So there's a rule that if you are with you, you, you cannot cancel your extra day. If you are within 72 hours of that day, that's coming up. So in other words, um, today is Wednesday. I signed up for an extra day on Friday. Well, I would be within my 72 hours. So I could not just call my boss and say, Hey, I, I changed my mind. I can't work that Friday because, and then whatever the reason is, right. doesn't matter what the reason is. They say, well, because we're within the 72 hours, we're going to treat that day as if it is a regular scheduled day on your schedule. And it will be docked against you on your record, basically. But on the flip side of the coin, now get this. Okay, now this is what I've experienced over the last two weeks. Now, I've signed up for an extra day, and I typically do every week consistently for the last six and a half years. Very rarely will I ever call off my own extra day because I generally work at least a, you know an extra day each week. But now, if the shoe is on the other foot, and let's just say something comes up and, you know, um, they call off extra days. They can do that within 72 hours. Heck, they can do it the night before. My shift could start at 2 a.m. tomorrow morning. They could call me literally right now at 5.09 p.m. and say, oh, hey, sorry, Jason, but uh, we're, we're canceling your extra day because 
um, we canceled a couple extra eth- you know, ethanol loads. It's like, well, wait a minute now. If you're canceling my day within the 72 hour window and you're classifying my 72 hour, or, you know, my extra day as a regular scheduled day, well, then I should be compensated because in the real, you know, if, if like, okay, let me just put it this way. So there's a rule that let's just say we get a massive snowstorm and it's a regular scheduled day. It's a normal day that I typically work per my schedule. If they have to call the fleet off to stay home for safety purposes, they still pay us 10 hours. They pay us 10 hours and it doesn't come out of our sick pay. It doesn't come out of our vacation pay. It's pretty cool that they do that, right? They still pay us, but by that same standard and definition, they will not pay us if they cancel our extra day, even though they look at it as a regular standard day, they will not pay us $10 uh, or 10 hours if they cancel it, you know, spur of the moment. You see, it's that double standard that I just can't stand that corporations do. And every corporation does it. And I'm not trying to dog mouth, you know, bad mouth my company. And there's a reason why I keep the company's name out of my mouth, you know, because I never want to ever dog mouth the company at all. They treat me very well. Um, but like any company, like any corporation, uh, there's pluses and minuses. But, you know, that whole two week notice, you know, when you leave, I think that's the biggest freaking crock of crap that ever existed. Because again, they would never give us a two week notice when they're getting ready to lay us off or fire us for whatever reason, right? No, they just come waltzing up to us and be like, hey, we need to uh, sit down with HR. Uh, we got something to discuss. Oh, by the way, grab a box on the way in because you'll be gathering your crap and you're going to be escorted off the property. That's how that works. And I just can't stand that double standard. It's such bull crap. But anyway, so let's get into the reading. Um, we're going to get into, again, Matthew chapter 12. I'm reading out of the New King James Version Bible, and it reads like this. Now, this is a bit of a long one. So um, we have, boy, how many verses we got here? Wow, it is a long one. We got like 50 verses, so brace yourself. All right. Starting with verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did and uh, did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Yet I say to you that in this place, there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known that this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue and behold, there was a man who had withered a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they might accuse him. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as a whole 
as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my serpent whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice on to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust. Now we get into a house divided being, you know, cannot stand. Verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that he, the blind, uh, so that the uh, blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, they, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, uh, Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather me with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be given will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Broad of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with the generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. This queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with his generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. 
Now, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Now, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And that is the reading of Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 50. So, in this section that we just read in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus navigates conflicts about the Sabbath, right? Showcasing that compassion and doing good should never be restricted by strict interpretations of the law. Now, he uses simple, relatable examples to highlight this. So, for instance, when addressing the Pharisees' uh, accusation regarding healing on the Sabbath, Jesus compares it to rescuing a sheep fallen into a pit, a common act of kindness that anyone would do for an animal on any day, right? And so this emphasizes the importance of doing good deeds, irrespective of the day of, you know, of the day or circumstance. Now, Jesus also addressed in this reading the issue of division and the consequences of what would happen, uh, given that there were, you know, there was internal conflicts. See, the analogy about a house being divided against itself, uh, not being able to stand, applies not only to kingdoms, but also to communities, uh, to our families and personal relationships. And it's actually also a reminder of the significance of unity, cooperation, and understanding among people. Now, the discussion about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit also emphasizes the well, really the seriousness, the, the, the severeness of rejecting goodness, uh, rejecting truth and rejecting God overall in our lives. It's a reminder to keep an open heart and mind towards spiritual matters and, you know, the values that they represent. Now, lastly, the part where Jesus redefines familial, uh, relationships also emphasizes that look, spiritual connections are as as vital, if not more, than biological ties. And he extends the definition of family to those who align with God's will, highlighting the importance of shared values and actions over blood relations. See, this is something that my wife really gets severely irritated with because there have been people that will make comments and even people in both sides of our family, my side of the family, as well as her side of the family, there have been people in our family that will talk about, you know, I can't even give a for instance, but they'll make an offhanded comment saying something about, oh, well, you know, 
they're blood related. So that's, that's, you know, that's real family. There's nothing more that burns my wife's rear end than when somebody says some offhanded topic, you know, comment like that, because my wife, if some of you might know is adopted. And so that whole thing, that whole, you know, Oh, blood, you know, family, blood, blood relations are, or family is a bunch of bull crap. Sometimes water can be thicker than blood. And like, again, like I was just saying, he extends the definition, he being Jesus, Jesus extends the definition of family to those who align with God's will. Let me repeat myself. He extends the definition of family to those who align with God's will, highlighting the importance of shared values and actions over blood relations. And so in our everyday lives, these teachings remind us to prioritize kindness, right? To prioritize kindness, to prioritize unity and open-minded, open-mindedness. And it emphasizes the importance of doing good, fostering harmony and embracing those who share our values, irrespective of their societal status or relation to us. So anyways, so what we're going to do is I'm going to take a quick little break and then we're going to get back on the other side uh, to the topic of they want us controlled and we will be right back. are back second half of the show they want us controlled so to unravel i, I want to say i want to say this to unravel life's meaning you know we we need to turn inward right we need to turn inward we need to we need to dive into introspection uh, understanding the scope of our capabilities and fully embracing the unique purpose that, you know, defines us. What is the meaning of our life? What is the meaning of our life? See, unfortunately, there's a lot of influential entities out there, I guess we'll call it for lack of better terms, that prefer to shroud us in ignorance. Uh, in in fear and addiction, right? And they aim to retain control by obscuring our potential and the essence of our individual paths. See, on a daily basis, as I, you know, roll in and out of different gas stations and different truck stops that I deliver to, you know, because as you, some of you know, I'm a fuel hauler here, you know, I'm confronted with a very, very disheartening reality that I see day in and day out. I see countless individuals, men and women of all ages, of all professions, 
I see countless men and women ensnared by habits that not only diminish their vitality, but also numb their spirits with the use of alcohol and beer, right? Um, I see people constantly cycle in and out, buying their regular cigarettes and they're vaping, their alcohol consumption again, right? And, and, and basically just getting into an unrelenting consumption of unhealthy sugar-laden foods and drinks and slushies and God knows whatever else these gas stations sell. Crappy roller griller, you know, hot dogs and nasty pizza. And let me tell you something, folks. Think twice before you eat food from a gas station that's like a roller griller item or like a, a taquito or something like that. I mean, aside from the fact that it's like ultra mega processed, I'm going to just let you in on a little secret. Now, not all gas stations are like this, so just you know, fair warning, the ones that I'm used to seeing, and I'm not going to give you the name of gas stations that I typically go in and out of, but, um, the places that people prepare food, the employees that prepare food, just a little side note is not the most sterile and clean counters or preparation surfaces. I see people back there who oftentimes don't use gloves. They set their purses and phones and phones are very dirty devices. If you think about it, it's just as dirty as money. They'll set their phones on the food preparation surfaces without even wiping it down. So just don't eat any food from a gas station unless you see it physically being prepared right there in front of you, because there are those gas stations that do that. But again, I digress, but the landscape of Michigan, for example, has a huge profusion of marijuana dispensaries, and it seems to mirror a very concerning trend, one that appears to encourage basically a lot of self-destructive behaviors. And the very act of legalizing substances prompts a lot of questions to me, and it raises doubts about whether or not that, you know, whether if profit rather than our well-being is the driving force behind a lot of these decisions. And I think we all know the answer to that. Oscar was saying right here in the chat, despotism clearly enables the control of us on the farm. Fat, dumb, and happy. And then he has in parentheses, false happy. That's absolutely correct. And then back to the cell phone thing, he was saying, take a blacklight to your phone and, and money and you'll, you'll be in for a big surprise, I bet. I bet. But while history portrays alcohol differently, you know, because there's people that are going to say, yeah, but Jason, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But I'm talking about today's standards and how wine and alcohol and beer and everything else is made. It's poison. It is poison for the body. And that is part of my 30-day thing that I'm going to be doing. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be doing a 12-month thing. But I'm going to, you know, one step at a time. I'm going to do 30 days first. Completely alcohol-free. No Blake's hard ciders. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to watch any, you know, I'm not going to do any podcasts. I'm going to stay away from listening to other podcasts. I'm going to just, you know, basically take time to just read my Bible um, read my Bible journal. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do that 72 to 86 hour fast. 
It's going to be my own little men's retreat, but solo when I do the special work assignment here come January 2nd. And like I said, I'll be back on the air come about, you know, February 2nd, February 3rd, right around there. But again, history may portray alcohol differently, but today's methods of production and processing, it paints a starkly contrasting picture. Uh, a landscape that's characterized by profit-driven motives that come at a considerable cost to us both physically and emotionally. Yet life, there is a life that's brimming with purpose. A life brimming with purpose doesn't seek solace in these destructive cycles. Instead, it finds liberation through a deeper connection. Now, whether if it's rooted in faith, self-belief, or spirituality, by anchoring ourselves in our core values and a lofty sense of purpose, we discover that we no longer require these crutches to navigate our existence. And so genuine fulfillment doesn't thrive on distractions. Rather, it blossoms through continuous personal growth and the pursuit of spiritual enrichment and a relentless dedication to our purpose. Again, what's your purpose in life? What, what meaning does your life have? Because it's time to awaken the masses. We need to awaken the masses from this slumber induced by manipulations to um, acknowledge and resist these attempts that lead us astray. We have to chart our own course towards authentic fulfillment, nurturing our souls and basically lighting up our paths with purpose and clarity. And that's exactly what I plan on doing starting actually now, but I'm going to, you know, get really, you know, dig my heels in once I go on my special work assignment and I'm out for 30 days. Um, again, I'm committed to staying completely away from alcohol, even casual drinking, no more because of the, you know, just what it does. And I've got some audio pieces that I'm going to play that is just amazing. Um, I want to get onto that topic about, you know, the topic of alcohol and just, there's a guy that I listen to that makes the case on exactly just, it's very interesting, very interesting, but we'll, 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 we'll tackle that on a different day. But um, let's get into the, I got some audio pieces. Let's get into this first audio. Now, this is by Bedros Koulian. He's a guy that I listen to frequently on YouTube. Um, and he talks about how they, being the government, wants us dumb, ignorant, fat, broke, and stupid. And yeah, I see people rolling into the chat. Uh, I know a few people are saying, oh man, got, got confused, got caught me off guard, not the usual time. Yeah, my evenings have been busy lately. And so this was just going to be just a, like I said, a, a regular recording, but I decided just to throw on the live button instead. Um, just, and then whoever filtered in, filtered in, but yeah, so this was kind of like a last minute thing. So sorry for dropping a random, uh, bomb on you guys there, but, um, but yeah, no. So the first clip here I'm going to play is by Bedros Koulian. Give this a listen to. 
The title of this episode is that they want you broke and dumb. And I'm going to make the case who they are. First off, first off, they are the opposition. And if you've ever read Napoleon Hill's book, Outwitting the Devil, then you know that the opposition is the government who is controlled by big pharmaceutical companies, food organizations, food corporations, and of course the military industrial complex and big government politicians are on the take. They are the puppets of these corporations that keep or want to keep you and I dumb, broke, dependent, etc. And so the reality is what you and I want though is very opposite of what the government or the opposition wants. Think about this, what do you want? You want money, you want to have meaning, you want to have self-mastery, you want money so that you can have access to things, so that you can have security and food and shelter and be able to have the experiences. And you want meaning, a sense of purpose, significance, fulfillment, because a life without purpose and meaning is literally meaningless, right? And of course, you want self-mastery because you and I did not get born with a handbook that tells us how to operate this human animal. And self-mastery is the work that we must do to become the 2.0 version of ourselves, the higher versions of ourselves. In other words, we're going to transcend from human animal to human being through consciousness, through connecting to source and really getting congruent with the vibrations of the universe of your creator. So that's what you and I want. But the reality is what they want for you, what the opposition wants for you, is they want you to be broke and busted and hopeless and addicted and scared, dependent, easily manipulated and controlled. And the reason is if they can keep you broke and dumb and manipulated and controlled, well, you then become a great consumer for them. And if you're a consumer, then you have to go and constantly work and pay your taxes and feed back into the system. And so what do we do then? Since we know that our goal is money, meaning, and self-mastery, but their goal for us is to keep us dependent, broke, dumb, and of course, easily controlled and manipulated. And like I said, I'm going to prove my case to you, right? One of the best ways to get control and compliance over humanity is through fear. There's several things, but, and I've outlined four things for you here, but one of the best ways to get control and compliance over humanity is fear. And don't you agree that mainstream media, social media, low vibrating family members, like these family members who gossip and talk shit and spread rumors and always find something wrong with you or with life, they are low vibrating humans and they are damaging to your success in life, right? Same with mainstream media. If you watch mainstream media, you're not going to hear about the guy that helped a little old lady cross the street. You're not going to hear about the firefighter that rescued a cat out of a tree. You're going to hear about death and destruction and chaos because that stimulates fear. And fear makes you more controllable, more compliant, and easily to be manipulated. But in addition to that, social media, wars, taxes, inflation, all of the things they talk about put you in a place of control and compliance. But then there's the distractions that they use to keep your eye off the ball. Remember, the ball for you and I is money meaning self-mastery. That's right. Um, and this is exactly what I'm going to be focusing on on the first 30 days uh, going into the new year. Now, again, I've already jump-started this now. Um, but, you know, when I, like he was saying, you, 
if you're going to find meaning in your own life, and if you're going to live a life of sovereignty, true sovereignty, okay, you have to ditch a lot of the nonsense that is used as mechanisms to put us in a state of fear, to try to dumb us down, to try to make us ignorant. And so when I go on this special work assignment, I plan on keeping the TV off. I plan on staying off of social media. I might do a couple little things here and there. You know, I might, you know, journal or uh, do, you know, document uh, some of the progress of what I'm doing. But overall, I'm going to be just basically enjoying my own company. I'm going to bring my Bible. I'm going to bring um, my Law of Nations book, my my Law of Nations book, my Bible, my journal, and I'm even leaving my computers at home. I'm not even bringing my computers with me because I truly am trying to do my absolute best to reset my life and to um, I want to take my life onto the next level because I feel like my wheels have been spinning in mud. And I need to stop, I need to regroup, and I need to reset. And I think it's very important that a lot of us do that. There's been a lot of people, a lot of, you know, tyrannical and, you know, just treasonous people that we've been dealing with in our own, you know, Michigan General, General Assembly. And I know some of you are dealing with this, you know, um, in other states. And then on top of that, you know, you get the crazy chaos of the news cycles and just, you know, just, just, there's so many different things that are occurring. And I think the best way to reset is to just drop all of the crap. I was just telling Destry a, a, a couple of weeks ago on a, on a, um, him and I were talking on the phone and I was telling him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about revamping this show. And as you know, I've always tried to, you know, keep this show fresh. I try to keep the podcast fresh. But one of my biggest things that I want to start focusing on going forward, if I'm going to find more meaning in my own life, is I need to be better with my time management because I feel like I have been loosey-goosey and very just kind of shooting from my hip, if you will, uh, when it comes to my time. That would mean I'm going to shorten up the uh, the introductory, you know, the introduction and the outro music of the podcast. I'm going to keep it very brief, very short. Uh, it's just going to be like a quick 30 second, you know, tune. And then we're going to get right into the show. Um, I want to keep the material solid, but at the same time, I don't want to draw this show out every night to an hour to an hour and a half. I need to remain strict. I need to make sure I don't waste your time unnecessarily as well, because not only am I trying to respect my own time, I'm also trying to respect your time. And so when I get back in February and get back on the air, it might not be right away, but I'm going to make a couple changes, not a whole lot. I think the, uh, how I'm doing things I kind of like, but I'm going to make a few tweaks yet because there are still some things that I feel needs, um, ev evolving. Okay. And so that's basically what I plan on doing. Now let's get to this next audio piece by Bedros here. So now what? How do we fix this? If we know that they use fear and distraction, addictions, keeping you broke, keeping you sick and fat, the reality is the answer is the choices that you make. That's right. The choices that you make 
can get you out of being broke and dumb. Remember, when you are broke and dumb, you are easy to be manipulated, controlled, and to get compliance over. And this is why they don't want us. That's why John D. Rockefeller said, I am not in the business of making a nation of thinkers. I'm in the business of making a nation of employees. He wants us not so smart to where we are entrepreneurs, but you know, just smart enough to run the machines. And this is why homeschooling is so vitally important. This is why we choose to homeschool. We want our daughter to be a critical thinker and not to be in compliance with a Babylonian, satanic, slave-induced uh, slave type of system by sending her to a public indoctrination center that they call public schools. That's, by the way, funded by our taxes. Yeah. However, if you decide to win your sovereignty, if you become the 2.0 version of yourself, if you become the version of yourself who is connected to source, the higher power, universe, your creator, now all of a sudden you are living a better life, aren't you? It is the choices that you have. It is the structure, the discipline, and the actions you take on the day-to-day. -day. So let's talk about structure first. Think about this. If you're the type of person that has your phone and you're like, you've got all these, all these notifications on your phone and you're getting dinged and pinged every time there's a notification on social media, aren't you then being distracted and taken away from your life's purpose, from your work, from your kids, yep. from your workout? You and I have seen those people, man. You, we have seen those people sitting in the gym, sitting on an exercise machine, going through their social media for 10, 15 minutes at a time while you're waiting to use that machine, while you're waiting to get on that bench press, while you're waiting to get under that squat rack. Well, the reality is that they're distracted. And if you're one of those people where you've got your notifications on, you're constantly being pulled different ways through mainstream media, social media, negative toxic people who are constantly pinging you, when will you turn off those notifications and take back control of your life? That is creating life structure. You're either going to outsource the life structure to others, in other words, giving a, 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 an external locus of control, or you're going to take an internal locus of control and say, you know what, I'm in charge of my life structure. I get to decide what I do, when I visit social media, what my workouts are like, how intense I go, I get to decide what I eat. I get to decide who I hang out with. I get to decide who I talk to. I get to decide the path of my life. These days, that's a rare thing to be able to actually take control of your life structure, isn't it? But I want you to really take that on. I want you to commit to taking on a life structure that you are in control of versus having external influences controlling you. That's right. And that's one of the things that um, I want to start focusing going into the new year. When we start getting back on the uh, air here in February, you know, again, we, we, we're reading out of the Bible and I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring this is why I'm bringing my journal. I, I think I'm going to keep the structure of how I'm doing the show the same where we, you know, we read scripture daily. That's not never going to change because that was the whole purpose of why I started this podcast was to read scripture daily, to get that out there to people. But I think instead of reading full chapters, I'm going to pick segments and sections and we're going to do deeper dives 
rather than read a whole chapter, because like what we just read in chapter 12 here in Matthew, it had 50 verses and it had like four or five different sections in there that we could have really honed in on a little deeper. And so, and that's what I want to do. I want to pick, you know, pieces out of the Bible sections, right? And really dig deeper into what the lessons we need to take away from and how we can apply in our life today. Um, again, I want to make sure that we have uh, not just solid information on here from the Bible, but also, again, we're going to talk, you know, things, you know, everything about, you know, things uh, that are assembly related. We're going to get into educational pieces. That's one of the reasons why I want to take my Law of Nations book with me uh, in January, and I'm just going to be focused on reading that. I might even take my, my Black's Law Dictionary as well. But the bottom line is, edit the distractions out of your life. Turn off the notifications. Distance yourself from people who are nothing but energy wasters and, you know, energy drainers. And really just focus on you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys this is a, a New Year's resolution. This is not a New Year's resolution. This is a reset. I think 2024 is going to bring about a lot of uh, shock and awe. And I think in order to prepare for that shock and awe, I think is going to require a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, a lot of quiet time, journaling, and just really self-reflection. But I think if we're going to be able to get out of their control, we need to take back our life. We need to take back our sovereignty. How do we do that? Well, we self-educate. We read. We journal. We learn. We stop allowing media to make us fearful and being scared. Because when your fear is ramped up, your cortisol levels increase. When your cortisol levels increase, then your body stores fat and eats away at your muscles. Destry was just saying right here in the chat, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to short circuit upstairs with what is coming. And I would happen to agree with that. They want you in a constant state of fear. Why do you think they released that movie on Netflix, Leave the World Behind? I watched that movie. That was a crazy movie. And then you got this other movie that's coming out in April of 2024, Civil War. Again, there's probably multiple reasons why they're releasing these movies. But at the end of the day, I think it's to increase people's level of fear to increase the cortisol levels, to increase the stress in your body, so then it gets you in a state of dis-ease. Hence why the word disease exists. It's a state of dis-ease. Your body is at not at ease. Here's another audio I want to play for you here. There is no intrinsic meaning to life. It's not the same thing as saying life is meaningless. You as the existentialists used to teach, you have to find your project. You have to find out what gets you up in the morning 
you have to you have to give your life meaning and you have to do it yourself if you wait for other people to do it you know you will leave, you will live uh, an invalid life what, what did he say if you are waiting for other people to do it you're living an invalid life and this is why it is so very just very crucial that you take your destiny into your own hands now keep in mind god is always going to be in control but he requires you to do the work and so if you are going to be a participant in where your final destination is going to be in your own destiny you need to be a participant in that fight you need to get your hands dirty and you need to get digging down you can't wait for somebody to help you out you can't wait for somebody to work for you and to rescue you no be your life you'll be leading other people's life and so what is my meaning why do i do this human beings suffer that's what it is to be alive is to suffer anything that a person can do to alleviate the suffering in others is a good thing a positive thing a meaningful thing stories <clears throat> do exactly that they make life livable that's right. They make life liberal. Here's another audio piece I want to play. You will never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life. I like that. You will never live if you are constantly looking for the meaning of life. And there's so many people that are trying to search that out, trying to figure out what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? How can I have purpose in my life? Well, this is why they want to con continuously control us because we will never figure out our own purpose and we will never discover meaning in our own life so long as we are constantly distracted with social media and sitcoms on Netflix and Prime. And if we're constantly addicted to things like pornography and addicted to drugs and alcohol and, um, and, and you just insert blank here, okay? They want us constantly dumbed down. They want us broke. They don't want us to thrive. They don't want us to live in abundance. They don't want us to be entrepreneurs. They don't want us to be fit and trim and th critically thought-provoking. Because when we become critical thinkers and we research what is really going on, you know what that means for them? The jig is up. The jig would be up for all these people. Here's one last uh, audio piece I want to play before we get into the prayer. You need to just be calm. Just be calm. Well, Dwayne, how do I be calm? Get rid of the things that don't let you be calm. All right, if you come in and you watch the news every night and just agitate you, turn the dang news off. They're lying to you anyhow. It's inevitable. Nothing you can do about it. Turn it off. You got people in your life that are just people of constant conflict, people of melodrama, just people that are always stirring the pot. They're not happy unless the pot is stirred. Just walk away. You know. That's it, just walk away. And that's exactly what I plan on doing. That's why I took this job assignment, guys, in January. 
And I hope you guys aren't going to be angry with me that there's not going to be a podcast for, you know, at least 30, 35 days. Um, this is something that I feel like is very important. Um, I got a message one time uh, from Rietta when I first mentioned this, like a couple weeks back. She was saying, she goes, just don't be gone too long. <laughs> I said, no, I, I won't. But, you know, the, the, but if I'm going to be really serious and real with you guys, I'm just going to tell you, I think we all need to do this at some point in our life because the last two years since I have been in the assembly, for example, has been quite a lot of ups and downs. I have been betrayed by lots of people in my own County that I have figured out are treasonous backstabbing pieces of garbage who have done just nothing but bad things to our general general assembly in Michigan. And it pisses me off. And so I've been, you know, dealing with this constant up and down of emotional roller coaster. And I have had many times where I've wanted to quit the assembly. I've had many times where I've wanted to quit this podcast because I feel like it's not getting the traction that I feel like it should have, even though I've reached over a hundred thousand downloads, thanks to you guys, which it, I think is a really good accomplishment. But I just feel like lately I have been losing control of my time management skills, which I'm typically on a pretty top notch when it comes to uh, keeping in control of my time, right? And keeping away from negative people. I'm just doing my absolute best to become a better 2.0 version of myself. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to do here, starting today, this week, and it's only going to ramp up after the new year, and even Christmas. And the reason I say I'm starting this now is because I'm not going to give myself an excuse and say, no, I'm going to wait till after the new year. Then I'll get, then I'll get started because what I'm going to then do. And I fall into the same damn trap. I end up saying to myself, okay, I'm going to do this after this holiday is over so I can enjoy myself. I can stuff my face. I can eat all the Christmas cookies I want. I can drink all the Blake's hard cider that I want and tie one on because I have a few days off. No. I am starting it now. I am not giving myself a reason to be able to have a few cocktails, a few hard ciders on Christmas Day with my family, or Christmas Eve, I should say, and on New Year's, because I'm off that day. I'm not giving myself an out. And I am doing what I think needs to be done to reset myself and that's to have a recalibration, a true recalibration where this is systematically done. And so when my boss was looking for volunteers to do this uh, out of region work, I said, sure, I will do it. And so, you know, and my wife, you know, Katie, you know, of course, my wife and daughter, they're going to hate it, you know, with me, you know, being gone. But, you know, they understand why I'm doing it because it's slowing down up here. And I want to, you know, we're, we're trying to grow our family. So we're trying to, you know, get another little baby Jones in the household here. And, you know, so what I'm doing is trying to, you know, make some extra money during a period. January is typically the slowest month in trucking right after the holidays. And so I'm always, so right now, like I said, I'm just trying to focus on uh, the household, but while I'm doing that, 
Uh, I'm going to do that 72 to 86 hour water fast where all I'm doing is drinking water and bone broth, right? And I cannot wait to document what my experience is with that and how I feel. Um, like I said, I'm bringing a journal. So um, I'm just, that's one aspect of what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be steering away from the TV and social media and just really, truly just be in good company with myself. I'm going to read and I'm going to pray and I'm going to enjoy quiet time and just self-reflection. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. It's, I, I think it's something that uh, it's something I've never done before. And now is the time to do it. I think now is definitely time to do it. Oscar was saying, I'm glad you're doing it, brother. Time for you to focus on what God has in for you. Respect. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and like I said, I'll be back. I will definitely be back. Uh, April says, I'm kind of doing the same thing while here in Belize, Jason, a lot of, a lot less phone and screen time, more, uh, more, uh, I wonder if that was a typo, but anyways, but yeah, a lot less phone and screen time. Oh, a lot more being in the moment. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And that's what I'm trying to focus on myself. I want to focus on being, um, I want to raise the bar of being a better husband and a better father. Like I'll give you a, for instance, last night, um, my daughter, I tell you, it's the stupidest things in life that really kind of irritate you. I tell you, I'll, I'll share this little story with you and then we'll get into the prayer. So we have a dinner table and a lot of times we eat dinner at the dinner table. Like most families don't do. But then there's sometimes where the family, we get into a lackadaisy, lazy mode, and we bring our dinner down to the basement. We sit on the couch in the recliner, and we just turn on Everybody Loves Raymond or some stupid sitcom. Well, my daughter has a habit of trying to possess the control. She tries to take control of the remote control of the TV. And... I understand what she's trying to do. She's just trying to be helpful. But literally, I almost had to Indian wrestle this little girl because I asked her not once, not twice, not three or four times, but like five or six times, Haven, please give me the remote. No. And then she would like hide it and like, like take, you know, pull it away from me. Now, at this point, I'm getting pissed. And so finally, I grabbed it out of her hand. I said, what the hell? Like, I lost it. And I said, you know, when I ask you to do something, you need to damn well listen and just do it. Now, of course, that hurt her feelings. Little girl, big emotions. And of course, I, then I felt bad. But I don't feel, but again, I stand firm on, on what I was trying to teach her. Now, it may not have been the best uh, route, but she was a little irritated with me. Okay. Now, when I tucked her in for bed last night, and I got her all cozy, cozy, and I got her tucked in. She was still a little sour, and I understand. Like, I get it. And for the first time in her little life, uh, we had a solid conversation. I mean, a solid conversation about life. And I explained to her, I said, first off, daddy is apologetic for yelling at you earlier. 
I'm just trying to be the best father that I can be. I want you to know that I will always be your friend, but understand I am your father first and your friend second. And what I'm trying to do is I want to be a good role model for you on what a good father should be. Because when you find a man when you're older and you find a man that you want to settle down with and get married to, I want him to be better than me. But I need to set the bar very high in your life. And I asked her, I'm like, do you understand that? And she was like, I do. And so I told her, you know, so we had this long conversation. Well, not long, but like it was like seven or eight minutes. And I could tell by looking in her eyes, she had a certain look in her eyes. I can't even really put it in words. And it prompted me to ask her, I'm like, what's going on? What's in your little, what's going on in your brain there? She goes, oh, nothing. I'm like, no, no, you can be honest with me. I'm like, what's going on in your brain there? And this is what the moment. The, uh, this moment of, uh, of, of realization kind of hit me hard. She says, I really like this conversation. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I really like this conversation because it, it relaxes me and it makes me feel closer to you. I said, well, you know what, sweetheart? I'm like, we will have more meaningful conversations like this. I said, and daddy will try to be a better father and not yell as much but I also need you to work with me and also be a better listener. When I ask you to do something, you need to do it. Okay. And so it was a, it was a, it was a very special bond that we had in that moment that, you know, that we were able to bond. And so I feel like in order to elevate myself into that self mastery mode of reaching my 2.0 self, I need to completely fast, not just from food, but fast from social media and from the podcast and from TV and movies and just clear my mind and reflect and then apply in my life going forward what I'm going to be doing differently. That would also include watching my mouth and not saying any profanity words, profane words. Because those words still come out in my daily speaking because I hang around 20 other truck drivers that have poor language usage. This is why I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. Even if it is casually, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. It's time to rejuvenate the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so anyways, I do appreciate all you guys and your understanding. And like I said, I will probably put out little, you know, because I, I get bored, you know, in a hotel. So I, I'm not going to be, you know, obviously reading the whole time. I'll probably do some uh, video clips like that are two or three minutes that might document um, the progress, right? So I might do something like that here and there and drop them in true social and telegram, but that's about the extent of it. Other than that, I'm pretty much going to be contained to myself. And so anyway, um, but uh, so anyway, well, let's get into the prayer. And I do appreciate that, Oscar. He says, call anytime. I think I will do that. I will probably be using this time to call friends and 
and just, you know, get back in touch with people because that was the other thing. I have not been in touch with really many people lately. I, you know, and I think that's something important that we need to do. You know, that's the other thing they want us to do. They want us to be only communicative, you know, through text messages and emails and social media. Nobody knows how to pick up the phone really much anymore these days or knows how to really write a letter, you know? So anyway, okay, let's get into the prayer. Heavenly Father, in the beauty of this day, we gather to express our gratitude for the lessons that are woven within this tapestry of life. And we thank you for the reminder that kindness should know no boundaries and compassion should reign over rigid interpretations of rules and norms. And so with that, we ask that you grant us the wisdom to see beyond restrictions that may hinder acts of kindness and love. We ask that you help us embrace the spirit of doing good deeds at all times. And regardless of circumstances, just as we've learned from the examples of mercy and care from what we read earlier in the Bible. Father, guide us to foster unity and understanding within our communities and families. We pray that our country comes together and is no longer divided. May we learn to cherish harmony, realizing that division weakens our connections, but unity fortifies our bonds. We ask that you open our hearts, help us recognize God in our lives, and to never turn away from the truth of goodness. And grant us the courage to seek your wisdom in the decisions and interactions, guiding us towards actions that reflect your teachings. And lastly, teach us to redefine our relationships beyond blood ties and help us to recognize and embrace those who resonate with the values that we hold dear and help us to see that kinship lies not only in blood, but in shared values and actions aligned with your will. And as we journey through our days, may these lessons stay ingrained in our hearts, guiding us towards acts of kindness, unity, and an unwavering commitment to do what is good and just. And we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I hope you all have a great day or night wherever you're at in the world. And I appreciate you uh, coming and joining me. Like I said, this was supposed to be just a by uh, a podcast recording, you know, unpublished, you know, or not unpublished, but uh, not in, you know, for the public to come in and just, you know, come, but I decided, I'm like, hey, what the heck? We'll make it live. No big deal. So, um, but anyways, I hope you all have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world. And remember, as Matthew 7, 7 states, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In Romans 10, 13, anyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's very important. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Destry says right here in the chat, have a Merry Christmas, everyone, and a Happy New Year. And I hope you all have a great day. And we will be back before Christmas, of course. And uh, you guys have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world. And we will see you back here next time. God bless. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line.
They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.